Welcome back to Semi-Irregular with Denise and Lucy. Today we're talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, but before we start, Lucy did ask me if she can have some time at the top of the episode to mm-hmm. read a little poem she put together. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. what What's up, Lucy? <clears throat> yeah, so I've been working really hard on this. And I figured this is a safe space for me to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. My work. Yeah, please. Please okay. enlighten us. <clears throat> His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. His hair is as dark as a blackboard. I wish he was mine. He's really divine. The hero who conquered the Dark Lord. That's it. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. What's up? We're Hi. back. We're back. I mean, we're back every week, but we're back again this we're, week. We're back this week. This is the week that we're actually back. back. Yeah. How how are you doing? Oh, you know, living the life. Oh yeah, great times. No further comments. That's it. We're done. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just I every week I've just been working. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my brother's birthday, December seventh. So this happy last birthday. weekend, happy birthday and my uncle, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I know a lot of Sagittarius. Also, um, Jose's birthday. Jose's birthday is coming up whenever, when the people hear this, uh-huh. the peeps, his birthday will be one day away. Oh, wow. So happy early birthday. So it's mañana? Josie. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Happy birthday. And then also I know the day that we're recording is Grace's birthday. She's one of my... Happy birthday, Grace. Happy birthday, Grace. You're one of my old Grace. coworkers. You're like, let's just give them like, let's gas them up a little bit. Okay, like Grace, you're like, got great hair. You're graceful. Great skin. Very uh-huh. graceful. Very cool. Very chill. She can bake. Very nice. Apparently a great baker. Oh, yeah. I don't know you, but like, you know, happy birthday. just things, yeah. Uh, Jose, also great skin. <laughs> great also skin. great skin. Great hair. <laughs> Tall. He tall. They're both tall. Like actually. congratulations on a birthday in December, where it's like still in December, so it's real close to Christmas, but not close enough where it yeah. really is like. Oh, you know who a else? Baleskies. Bailey. I was like Bales. <laughs> hey, Bales. Baleskies. <laughs> yeah, Bailey. Bailey. Yes, her uh, birthday is December seventeenth. Cool. That's my. I know a lot know of Sagittarius's. A lot. That's like a good time. They're apparently the worst sign for my zodiac, but here we are. So many people. I know in your you life all. Are like very, very good for you and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Well, happy birthday. Shouts to, out. That's what I've been doing. Everybody is just buying presents for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the tough one. Where it's like it's tough when everybody is like super bunched up together, and then also tough when it's the whole month. When right yeah. around the time of this year. Mm-hmm. Well, happy birthday to everybody. Happy birthday to all. Mm-hmm. One and all. What have you been up to? Uh, work. Mm-hmm. I've uh, we have a show this weekend, which you're actually going to be joining oh, me at. I'm super excited. Um, it's going to be at Low Res Brewery in Pilsen. Yes, um, yes. I I think I'll post a flyer somewhere on social media. Look for it. Uh, but yeah, so if you haven't finished your holiday shopping and you're interested in supporting uh, your local artists, Woo-woo. you should do that. Also, there'll be beer there because it's at a brewery. So beer come on out i saw the flyer there's beer there's food there's music there's shopping yeah it's it's just gonna be a good time a good weekend and i'm not stressed about it not one bit 
Mm-hmm. Nope, not at all. We're great. Anyway, today we're talking wonderful. about what? It's our monthly book club episode. Book club. Should and we that have means... a theme song for it? This is our monthly book club episode. Is... I, don't... I think we should workshop that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets today. <gasps> secrets. So many secrets have been released from that chamber. Whoop. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> what are we are we okay i don't think so i feel like we're recording a little bit later today and that's yes, just we are <laughs> anyway so there's a lot to get to so let's just go okay. um lucy i want you to tell me about what your rereading experience was yeah. so you start you start us off well I feel like I had a similar answer last time, but it's just so different rereading these as like a full grown adult in mm-hmm. the context that we're reading them. Right. You know, and I feel like I notice more things and there's more times when I'm reading, I go, oh my God, that is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is not okay. Like, yeah. Well, we talked about this, but it's like him and like the, the Dursleys and how actually fucking terrible they are. Mm-hmm. So that a lot of that when I was reading like the intro chapter when he's back home, I was just like, um, the fuck mm-hmm. child abuse, Truly. like actually super traumatic child abuse, <laughs> not just their jerks. Yeah. Um. So that was a big one. Um. I think I just there was more things that I was like, OK, that was really terrible and really fucked up. And you miss that a lot if you're either just like watching the movies or you're not reading it with like the context that we have if you're just reading it for like plot line you're like oh wow they really suck Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of that um i am gaining like more like love (laughs) for certain characters like i'm really appreciating them like as an adult i'm like oh my god they were really there for him Mm -hmm. like the weasleys and we talked about this but just i feel like you get a different appreciation for like the way that she wrote the characters and like how it kind of builds to like things later on it's just like all of the little mm. cookie crumbs is that what they call them breadcrumbs usually it's breadcrumbs sure. I mean, <laughs> they're cookie crumbs yeah any kind of a crumb uh, like a like a like a um there's like a, a other crumbs that exist that I general can't food crumbs just general crumbs <laughs> <laughs> but yeah all the little like frameworks that are being sure so the set up um, the little bits and pieces that are parts of the overall story that yes. are being laid out. Yeah, those words for sure. <laughs> that, that combination of words. That, that combination order, of words is that's hitting. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> but what about for you? How is rereading for um, you? So very similar, right? Mm. And I think the fact that we're rereading it and analyzing it makes a big difference because I normally reread the books. Mm-hmm. every year i think there was like a couple years where i went without rereading them but for the most part these have been a constant um but yeah when you take the time to read them in a way where you're actually trying to come up with thoughts and you know a series of words in a yeah. particular order said aloud <laughs> as statements that are affirmative as your thoughts uh that also it's not difficult but it's just sort of you start you start thinking a little bit deeper about it and through the eyes of an adult you're like whoa wait wait um you know because i feel like as a kid i did grasp the fact that harry was being child abused (laughs) is that the right way of saying that sure i did grasp that there was a lot at stake and that obviously there's 
a lot to this world that we're still learning and over time we're we're learning more and more as this this series and the story progresses mm-hmm. but i think as an adult you read it through the perspective as of an adult because that's your perspective now uh yeah. but we're both also empathetic people and we're i think we're the kind of a generation who doesn't want to um undervalue the the feelings and thoughts of children and the and youths yeah. And so we, I, I felt for me that um, I, I just thought it was reprehensible what the Dursleys did. Um, because like you were saying, just to expand on that point, like as a child, you read the books and you're just like, they're terrible. They suck. Nobody should live like that. Like yeah. they don't understand. They, they don't understand him. But as an adult, like the idea that so many other adults right. were aware of the situation and certainly um, they all deferred to Dumbledore and his decision making Mm -hmm. but yeah just sort of how out in the open a lot of the abuse was um, against Harry from the Dursleys um, and how normalized it became for him and how much the stakes of everything else were I I think for me what I'm picking up a lot on rereading the first one and the second one is uh, Harry's mindset which we can definitely talk about a little bit more um, but just in general, like as I was reading, I'm still reading my first book, cop- like the first copy I've ever had of, yeah. the, of the of Chamber of Secrets, and it's so old. The pages are yellow; yeah. they're really stiff. <laughs> and so when I open the book, like I kind of have to maneuver it in a certain way, where I, like the first few pages I couldn't really open mm-hmm. very much because one of them started to like crack on the side, and I was like, um. Um, so I do why I have two sets (laughs) yeah I feel like um (laughs) you know it's almost Christmas time so if anybody wants to get spring for a little bit of a Christmas set for me that I wouldn't be mad about it they're out there and they're on sale (laughs) but I think next year I'm gonna treat myself to a new set that's just for reading yeah and I'll hold on to my older set and just cherish them Mm -hmm. as the like you know antiques that they are <laughs> yeah because mine are like that too like the pages are struggle city absolutely and i think just like another like final thought at the top of here is just um i feel like there's always that comparison that's a little bit inevitable of like books versus movies and we mm-hmm. established early on in this series that we're both book people yeah uh, but i just as a like because the movies are on and so readily available so often i think a lot of what's lost in the movies is how much sense it makes for them to be yeah. become involved in these situations and how things escalate like the logic kind of gets taken out yeah. a little yeah absolutely because i think in a lot of those young adult movies it's sort of like where was the adult like who <laughs> why like, did nobody go to an adult who yeah. could have easily solved the situation or an authority and it's similar in, in these books and even McGonagall is like so you broke all the rules didn't speak to any adults mm-hmm. but whatever but it actually makes sense for the context of what's happening and makes sense as to why mm-hmm. certain choices were made yeah. so that was my rereading experience I felt very surprised um, and something you and I were observing was that the language in this book just like with uh a, philo- a philosopher's stone oh my <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <a> sorcerer's stone <laughs> the philosopher's stone i'm like those people who are like no i just spell things with you like i spell behavior with you color i spell color with you it's just sort of the way i write it's not it doesn't mean anything and i'm like you're 
I know what you're doing. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> like, what were you say? saying? <laughs> you're talking about with the language as far as rereading oh, yeah. Sorcerer's Stone and um, Chamber of Secrets oh, we were talking about how it's still very much aimed at a, a child's audience mm-hmm. it's not even like a young audience it's because children like the prose is still very like formulaic there's yeah. a lot of exposition and that's spe- at the at the top of the book like the first few chapters mm-hmm. um, because it's the second book in the series you're not going I think it was probably more a decision from the editors and up higher ups of like hey you kind of have to remind people the plot of the first and sort of reintroduce some characters Mm -hmm. uh just to remind people or maybe this is the first time they picked it up blah 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 yeah um so that was probably it in regards to like some technical things Mm -hmm. i also noticed that that it's just very like yeah i did too so Mm -hmm. like a little side note for everyone (laughs) I listen to the audiobooks as well as rereading them because for me, it's one, just easier time-wise. I'm on my way to work, wherever, and I just put Mm -hmm. the the audiobook on. That way, I'm not like walking around with a book in my face, (laughs) which I used to do a lot when I was younger, and my mom would get super pissed about. But um, it was so interesting noticing. That's how I noticed it was because in the audiobook, he would repeat like, oh, this thing and this person... Or, like, if you remember this teacher that's the teacher of, like, potions and, like, they are very repetitive with, like, the information that they give you and, Mm -hmm. like, bringing details of, like, the world that if you hadn't read the first book, you wouldn't understand or something. Like, it's just very... Right. Just, I don't know, what is it called? (laughs) It's it's almost like the, when you watch, like, a Netflix show and it's like, oh, let me give you, like, the overview of... Last time on Glee. Last time on Glee. (laughs) Here's what you missed. Like and I kind of <laughs> that's what you missed, Angli. I kind of felt like it was that, where it's like that re- review of everything that happened and everything you should know up until now, right? And then you really got into it after like the first chapter. Or so, yeah. Well, I rem- I remember I took a note and we're like she she was like on page four she's like Harry looked nothing like the rest of his family. Uncle Vernon was large and necklace with an enormous black mustache. And Petunia was a horse, was horse-faced and bony. <laughs> She's always just coming for her. Yeah. Which cracks me up, which, I mean, also kind of deservedly. Ooh, um, ooh here's some um, <laughs> ASMR of book pages for you, you guys. Do you want to do a little ASMR in my <laughs> old-ass book? Ooh, yes. Crisp pages. <laughs> Crisp. Anyway, so there's, that's just some of that stuff where... <laughs> Anytime yeah. there's like an opportunity, it's like very conveniently like the sentence are put together. Yeah. Um, his friend Hermione, who was smart, or his friend Ron, who was a lovable, tall, kind of lanky redhead with flaming red yeah, hair. Yeah, I feel like they always have like, the <laughs> flaming red Weasley hair. Um, but I, like, and I was telling you earlier, like it makes obviously you and I have conversations. I need to stop saying that. Uh, <laughs> but um, as we discussed prior to this taping, <laughs> as we discussed because we're humans who interact with each other. Some might even call us friends. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I got so defensive all of a sudden <laughs> against you myself. Like, Bitch, what? <laughs> uh, forgot. Anyway, you 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 words now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that maybe the peep peeps people. I need to come up with a word for y'all. Um, would appreciate. A summary, maybe, because oh, that's true. What if? What we? if somebody just doesn't know what the heck this book is about, and they're just like Denise, Lucy, 
who is Harry Potter? <laughs> you want me I mean, or you want That you. would never happen. Um, I think that maybe we can collaboratively collaborate. Collaboratively. <clears throat> okay. Open book. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like a live action setting. Um, I'm taking all my inspiration for how I'm about to do this from Jonathan Menace. Okay. Um, okay. Open. Little baby Harry. <laughs> <laughs> See? Back with the Dursleys, treating him like trash, feeding him nothing but little stale pieces of bread and cheese after having him work all day to set up for the stupid party with Vernon's people. He struggles to funk. Struggles to funk. <laughs> <laughs> then our little baby angel, Toby, shows up and is like, yo, you in danger, girl. Can't go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> Stirs up some shit. And then Harry gets locked up in a room. Um, do you want to continue? Or do you uh, want to sure. Going? Okay. So after that. I'm just going to talk like myself. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, uh, Ron, Harry's flaming red-haired best friend, and his twin brothers, Uh George and Fred, (laughs) they come, they rescue him. Mm -hmm. They take him back to their home, the burrow, and then Harry spends a great summer with them. The end of the story. Wasn't that a great life for him? Yes. Um, That's not what happens. Wait, what? So, so, beautiful, beautiful summer at the burrow. They try to go back to Hogwarts and they can't. So they have to fly a car. Spoilers. <laughs> Anyways, they're finally back at Hogwarts. Things are just not going great. Things Peeps are, not are dying. Going. Chambers are open. Enemies of the air beware. All of this stuff. They have to handle some shit. They handle it. And then that's the end of the and book. The- <laughs> <laughs> that's a great summary. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Basically, <laughs> there is some stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Things happen, and then they happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's great it. summary. I'm sure that people are now super informed and yes. super enlightened. Aren't orange? You glad you listened to this? <laughs> um, yeah. <sighs> That's what happened on this episode of Glee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but for real. All right. Yes. So, as the series, the book progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're learning about this thing called the Chamber of Secrets that was allegedly created by one of the school founders. Salazar Slytherin. Oh my gosh, wait. So as I was reading it, uh, I thought it was really interesting that they actually gave us, again, we're going back to some of that exposition, giving big chunks of information at once. And so in one of the classes, Hermione asks the professor, the um, history of magic professor mm-hmm. uh professor bins yes yeah she asks him about the chamber of secrets and so he actually gives a great little um summary of the houses and the founders uh, Lucy, can you read that to us of course <clears throat> here we go you all know of course that hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago the precise date is uncertain mm-hmm. by the four greatest witches and wizards of the age the four school houses are named after them godric gryffindor Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. They built this castle together, far from prying muggle eyes, for it was an age when magic was feared by common people, and witches and wizards suffered much persecution. Do you want me to keep going? No, you're good. Awesome. Beautiful reading, Lucy. Thank you very much. Uh, Okay, so they go into detail about the Chamber of Secrets, how this was um, allegedly created by Salazar Slytherin after he was ousted by the rest of, or I guess he decided to leave, but it was after 
a major disagreement with between the other Hogwarts founders because uh, shockingly he was a like a magic supremacist Mm -hmm. and wanted to not have muggles come into Hogwarts and it created a lot of uh, divisiveness between the founders because Mm -hmm. the other three were chill and cool and this dude sucked (laughs) yeah so he creates the chamber of secrets um puts a monster in there and the and the bowels of the school and then says that only his heir will be able to open it and cause havoc and make the school as it should be so essentially he's like this dude's gonna come open the chamber monster's gonna come out genocide (laughs) genocide basically And then make the school as it should be, according to him. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, of course, it's happening again. You end up finding out that it happened 50 years earlier and that a child died. And so um, that's how the rest of the story progresses. You find out who did it, blah, blah, blah. You've known this. It's been out for centuries. Read the book. Watch the movie. Live your life. Yep. So in, in, the, in, this, in the progression of, of this book, we actually um, are introduced to a lot of new characters. Yes, we are. But we also get some re-emphasis on some main characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lucy, who would you say is the most significant main character that we had already been introduced to in the previous book? I mean, aside from Harry? Of course. Like, we're not going to... We'll talk about Harry at another portion of this mm-hmm. episode. Um, I would say for this book, for me, it would be... I just don't want to say, like, the Weasleys as, like, a... <laughs> just as a whole. Just all the Weasleys. But I do think they they play a really big role. So, I mean, I guess in my head, for me, it would be... Mm, I, can't, I feel like I want to say Ron, but then I also want to say the twins. You would think that they're, in your opinion, they're the... I guess they're not, yeah. The most significant main characters that were already introduced? It's, there's not a wrong answer I, I, know I'm pro- so. I know i know i'm asking you as if i know the answer very leadingly but i'm just clarifying <laughs> no, I, I think so yeah okay so who so the twins i think i would actually stick with ron with ron because i think his relationship with it there i mean their friendship in general but his relationship in particular because then his sister obviously is one of the ones who's affected it really like yeah i think is the, built in this yeah i agree with you i think his stakes are also really high i think something that yeah um you hear a lot of criticism about is how like of course harry is harry potter he's the main yeah. character and then there's hermione who is the brains quote i'm quoting here yeah um and then ron is just sort of the other one i think that's sort of the narrative that's been spun right. about him which is completely wrong false um and i think this book really highlights how much ron brings to the table mm-hmm. of the trio and how much the state how high the stakes were for him and his family yeah. but also we see a lot of his ingenuity and a lot of his intelligence his compassion his yeah empathy. for sure yeah, I would mm. stick with that. I think that's final answer. Okay, final answer, Ron. <laughs> Did you have mm. a different opinion on that, or I don't, I don't. or different idea? Hmm. No, I think. Well, obviously, Ginny. I think. Yeah. Just because, like, we both talked a little bit about Ron, I think I guess I'll go with Ginny mm-hmm. because although sh- her character is major in this book. We actually don't learn very much about her and we actually don't really learn much about her until late in the series right like well we get to really know her as an individual but it's not because she's an afterthought she's actually i love her character arc and progression throughout the whole series yeah and i think this one upon rereading it uh, you re- you learn a lot about her character um mm-hmm. you know we see the scene in the bookstore 
after Malfoy comes up to Harry, after Harry was pulled up by Gilderoy Lockhart and Mm -hmm. made to be a spectacle, and he's trying to taunt Harry, and and Ginny's like, hey, you know what? He didn't ask for that, and he actually hates that. And you see how observant she is. You see how, although she has the most massive crush on him, which is really mortifying because everybody always points it out and makes fun of her for it, which is like classic little sister moment Mm -hmm. but um despite all of that you actually see that it's not a superficial crush it's not like oh he's he's you know he's the boy who lived or Mm -hmm. he's so popular he's so cool it's like he's a good person and he treats me well and he's friends with my family like there's genuine reasons for her i always think it's funny that he does always try to like address her be like oh like include her in conversations and she's just like oh my god no (laughs) no (laughs) it is because he's super sweet to her all the time Mm -hmm. which is like making it worse because (laughs) if if he were a jerk like louise (laughs) ew you're so cute disgusting yeah (laughs) honestly that's what i was thinking too but it's it's hard because you're like okay well on top of all of those other superficial things, you're also a good friend of my brother. You're also nice to me. Mm-hmm. And most people don't even acknowledge me. And now you're actually like looking me in my face. Yeah. And being nice to my face about it. And we can't do this. Too much. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Got to go. But anyway, totally got sidetracked. <laughs> this is just a podcast about Ginny Weasley now. <laughs> it will be. Because I was like, oh my God, I was telling you earlier. I, I like I take extreme offense to the fact that people talk about how oh Harry shouldn't have gotten with Ginny. There's spoilers, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, we didn't <laughs> give a spoiler warning at We've the top given, of this like, episode. Tons. We've given, but you're fine, week. guys. You're fine. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, like, we have confidence in you. Um, <laughs> so there's like a there's just a lot of narratives that I don't like that people have created about Ginny and Ron, I guess. Yeah. And if you would read the damn book, you'd actually know, you know. that they're great and good and awesome. And I like them. We like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what about... Okay, so I'll go first because yes. I know you have a lot of feelings and I already know your answer. Okay. So <laughs> in regards to new characters, <laughs> okay. I would say... Oh, my phone. My phone. My phone turned off. <laughs> give me one second. Okay. Do you want me to give you the options that we had? Okay, wait. Um... Okay, I think I got it. Okay. <laughs> is is uh okay, so this is kind of like a, tr- a trick answer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because in an effort to not take your answer, I'm going with Tom Riddle. Yeah. As or Tom Marvolo Riddle, I'm Tom sorry. Tom Marvolo uh, Riddle. As uh the most significant new character, but I, it's also a little bit of a trick mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's not really a new character right because just like his little uh what do you call it like word scramble that he did <laughs> um, he likes tom, the word scramble tom Mar- <laughs> just like a, a gorgeous queen that he is <laughs> he loves a word scramble love no. a good uh, um jeopardy is it jeopardy Je- sure wait you think, uh, were you thinking of uh <gasps> love a good wheel of fortune wheel- moment there we go <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> a little Alex Trebek. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> nope. <laughs> anyway, his love a good Wheel of Fortune moment. So yeah, his little Oh yeah, his word little scramble. word scramble. Um, Tom Marvolo, I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> like Voldemort is my past, present, and future. Ooh, Mirada. <laughs> Remembering quotes just off the top of yes. our head. Because <laughs> I just think it's so sassy. Well, like, yes. He's like, okay. him. So Tom Marvolo, I think, is 
probably the most significant new character uh, because there's a lot of foreshadowing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of plot, uh, like laying down of plot points to come. Frameworks. Sure, sure. All the words, all those <laughs> Just words. Just words. Um, and I think it's also showing sort of the humanity of Voldemort in a mm-hmm. way that shows us how much he wasn't like normal people. He had already a great deal of he had like no empathy he had no uh, understanding for humans and other people mm-hmm. because I-, I think it's easy to fall into this idea that because Voldemort eventually goes through so many magical transformations um, over time he's losing more and more pieces of what makes him human and his morality and humanity it's easy to be like okay well that's why he's so evil because no normal person is like that but when we meet Tom, he's a 16-year-old boy. He's just already. And so he was already broken, and we mm-hmm. should have taken him back. <laughs> Take him back. <laughs> so I thought that was, it was really jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, especially um, in the scenes in the chamber where he's just totally uh, humiliating Ginny and sharing oh all her God, secrets. Oh, my God, yeah, the diary. Mocking her. I was just reading that section where Harry's reading the diaries, and the repetitiveness of the dear Tom, dear Tom, mm-hmm. dear Tom. And then he like crumbles them up. Like I was reading that and I got like anxious. Like I was like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 He's evil. Man so, is evil. Yeah. I think that uh, obviously, and then he's one of the main characters, main right. antagonists of the series. But mm-hmm. still, I-, I thought that the way that this character was presented, even just for the sake of this book, was really cool. But of course, then later on, when we find out more of the overall story it's also pretty interesting yeah that we get that glimpse because essentially tom's character is just a memory Mm -hmm. a magical memory and a diary so it's not even a full reflection of a real person but that reflection is showing us that this person already lacked all sorts of depth and humanity and empathy that Mm -hmm. we would typically expect with people yeah so yeah, okay, so now I'll ask you, <laughs> who do you feel was um, the most um, significant mm-hmm, new mm-hmm, mm-hmm. character? Dobby! <laughs> yeah. Love of my life, as um, Lizzo puts it, my little cheeky baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just the cutest thing on the entire planet, and his little like story arc is one of my absolute favorites, and he's so cute, and <laughs> And he's like the most. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's so cute. cute. But I also, I was rereading it, and I was like, I forgot how much of a sassy ass little troublemaker <laughs> Dobie was. Like he was like, I'm gonna fuck your life up, but it's like for your own good. <laughs> so sorry, not sorry. Like that's his entire attitude. This whole book, he's like, sorry, not sorry. It's better that you're injured, maimed, and horribly <laughs> disfigured. <laughs> Don't you only meant to harm or seriously injure. Oh. Um, he's so cute. He's so cute. Oh. Okay. But also, I do just think that his character is a nice way to, like, show Harry working through, like, his empathy. Mm-hmm. Because there's that scene where they're um, in the hospital after his little Skelligro incident <laughs> for <laughs> Harry. And... He's like, he was so like, like he's looking at Dobby and he's like, he was just so sad that like all his anger like dissipated. And then he realizes that Dobby was also the one behind the bludger and he gets like super mad all over again. And it's this idea of him just like 
being like, oh my God, you're like, you're infuriating me. But also like, I kind of feel bad for you because like he trusts somehow Mm -hmm. that Dobie's intentions are good. Because even in the beginning where they're talking with like the Weasleys and they're kind of brainstorming that Dobie was probably sent by the Malfoys and he can't be trusted and he's probably not telling him the truth. Harry sits there and is questioning like, I don't know, like, would he lie to me? Like, I don't feel like he would. But I, I don't know. I just like Dobby's character. I think that he introduces like a nice little subplot kind of that gets talked about in the coming books. And I just honestly, I, I just feel like he's cute. And it's not necessarily from this book why I love him so much. But that I think that's why I would consider him my most important because in the end, mm-hmm. he's his character is one of my favorites. But he doesn't do quite as much in this one as he does later on. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's what I have to say about <laughs> yeah about I, that <laughs> I, I agree with you i think that dobby's character is uh, he's one of the more significant characters of the series let alone right. this book and um yeah I also i've always loved him but i think that he is a bit more significant in this book because yeah you're you're seeing a couple of different things here yeah you're seeing harry and how again that comparison between tom riddle and harry which we that goes into depth mm-hmm. of you know all the ways in which they're very similar but you're seeing here that even harry at 12 years old um comes into his room especially in a really really um heightened day where the dursleys have yeah. uh, like they're already like this is very important this big business person is coming you need to pretend you don't exist sit silently in your room and if not i'm gonna murder you with my hands yeah and on that day of all days is when um dobby shows up and just really wrecks the day for him um and harry even in that moment where he could be like i don't even know you get out of here this is dangerous he still speaks to this being Mm -hmm. as another living person thing yeah um and says you know okay well i don't know you and this is a really terrible time of all times to get visitors um, and I need you to just be quiet. I'm sorry. It sounds like you're going through a hard time. Can I help you in any way? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Um, anybody else would have been like, how can I get out of this situation? Magic me out of here. Like, a million mm-hmm. different things. But st- still, Harry chooses to be empathetic. Yeah. And like you said, even when he finds out more about what of Dobby's well-intentioned and very well-meaning um, decision to try to help Harry, mm-hmm. um, which resulted in his very very possible violent death <laughs> he still chooses to be kind to him and still mm-hmm. has like a lot of compassion and empathy for him because he sees him as not just a house elf right but he sees him as a person or another being that's a deserving of respect because they're another living breathing being in the world yeah um and so that also highlights the monumental difference and why harry is not voldemort and why he isn't the same as him is because he is the kind of person who upon being put in the worst situation ever still manages to feel empathy for somebody who could have hurt him really badly Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that that character is just mm. love him (laughs) i love him and we're not going to talk about the end because i will never stop crying nope okay all right (laughs) um so can you i so while we were talking uh, we were we were uh, aside from the observation of how um of how so very like little kid-ish this first book is um we did point out some of the beginning things of how like 
Okay, so we love this series. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be doing this whole thing about it if we didn't overall love it. But just like with anything, there is going to be some problematic things in it. Yeah. Um, and two of the ones, like, with Dobby, like, as the series progresses, we do learn more about how self-culture and... Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there is a lot of critiques that i think are valid of how that is handled in those series and Mm -hmm. over time we'll talk about it but i did just want to bring that one up in the beginning and then just sort of like that really fat phobic language Mm -hmm. that is introduced throughout the whole thing where like we know that the dursleys are bad because they treat harry like horribly but we also know that they're bad because of the other cues because they're gross and slobbish and fat and like all these kinds of ways of just which I think is mm. interesting because, like, Hagrid could be considered that, but he's not described that way either. Yeah, no, he's big and strong. and Yeah, it's just the language. Well, it's the language, but I think it's also, like, gluttony. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you were always reading about how Vernon and Dudley are stuffing their faces and how gross mm-hmm. they are. But similar with Crab and Goyle, like, yeah. of course, they're two fatties. We're going to give them two cupcakes and they're going to eat them and they're, it's fine. They're going to yeah. pass out. You know, so that... Even since I was a kid, it's always bothered me. Yeah. But I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. That I know it. And it's a thing. It's there. It's a thing. We acknowledge it. It's there. It exists. We acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Ed, uh, I, I think we should just transition into our, our discussion. So Let's we we, of course, could talk hours and hours about Harry Potter and the book and the world in general. So we just identified a couple main points that we wanted to talk about. Um, but of course, if you have questions, if there's anything that you listening were like, oh, I wish they would have talked about this, go to semi-irregularpodcast.com forward slash book club, send us a message and we'll talk about it next time. Um, but to begin, um, obviously this book is called Harry Potter. All of the series is Harry Potter. So we figured we'd talk about how this book, Chamber of Secrets, moves toward Harry's development and his character mm-hmm. arc. So, Lucy, why don't you start us off and talk to us about your observations and your feelings about it. Yes, my feelings about it. Um, I really enjoy this book because I think that it sets a lot of the groundwork for the characters, who they are, why they do the things they do, why they have the sort of relationships they do. And I think Harry's obviously being, like, the focus of it. Um, He has a lot of... I feel like he goes through a lot of growth in this one as far as how he relates to other people um, and where he gets the values that he gets as an adult because seeing how he interacts with the Dursleys and thinking like he still has to go home and spend all his holidays there and they're the people who (laughs) as as, uh, poorly as they did in some way or another raised him and he was around for like his crucial like Mm -hmm. child development years. (laughs) You would think like, oh, I can't believe that he is the way he is. But in this book, and especially with, we mentioned like all the scenes with him at the borough and all of that, you kind of get to see where his like found and chosen family life comes from and mm-hmm. where all of these like morals and um, I don't know what the other word for it is, but the things that are important to him, how that kind of settles in. And I like seeing that throughout this book. And it comes out a lot, like I mentioned, with his relationship with Ron his relationship with Ron's family, um, with the adults at school and with the other kids at school. And I think to me, the coolest thing was seeing, um, I think it gets talked a lot in this book. And then that's why, um, Gilderoy Lockhart is also introduced, but his 
interaction with people and like fame Mm -hmm. and how people see him and how that's really not something that he's interested in like you mentioned like Ginny sticking up for him and being like that's not what he wants right um and then kind of all his actions throughout the book i think we both agreed are never motivated by like i'm gonna come out of this as like a hero and i'm gonna do this because it's my destiny or it's whatever because i don't even think he like he wouldn't be aware of that yet like obviously (laughs) if you're someone like us who's read the books a million times like you know where it goes we learn like who's involved and what roles throughout all of this Mm -hmm. but at this point in time he's not sitting here like i'm destined to be great i'm destined to do this like he's legitimately just like i am a child who found out that he's magic who's in school and that's all i want to do like i don't want to be harry potter the boy who lived i just want to like be at school with my friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think this is a really important book for setting all of that up for him as an adult do you agree yeah i do okay (laughs) i'm like do we agree am i right am i doing this right um yeah and i don't know i i i think it just comes up a lot that time that he spends at the borough, I feel, is so crucial. And it's one of the things that we're both kind of sad got left out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because he spent an entire summer there. And obviously, as we go along, you learn that he begins to do that more and more. But, you know, he gets these, like, parent figures and, like, Arthur and Wally and siblings and, like, all this crazy, like, family life as it should be. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing kind of all these little traits and, like, relationships we formed with him and teaching him, like family is important and friendships are important and these are like appropriate relationships to have and this is how adults should treat you and care for you and like all of this stuff and that's like the cutest best part of this book i think is all of his time with like the weasleys and the burrow um i don't know i feel like it pushes his character forward a lot in this one like it's kind of him starting to grow up because he's not like Mm -hmm. completely new to the magic world anymore and he's kind of learning what his role in everything is yeah i think that with harry's development in this particular book Mm -hmm. um so going back to what he's talking about with riddle there's so in the book when there's that major confrontation he Mm -hmm. does say you know i thought maybe there might be something to you because there are so many similarities we're both orphans we both have like a physical comparison um we both uh grew up in a from a family that like one parent was a muggle one parent was magical like etc mm-hmm. etc so there's All there's the a significant amount of of um overlap between them and then he's like yeah but you're it was just chance um but you're actually there's it's a lot more deep than that and so you start this you start chamber of secrets with harry um in a position that probably most other students aren't in in mm-hmm. which he's being abused by the people who are supposed to be taking care of him and who are supposed to be the people who he can trust and so i'm sure other kids are like just having their summer vacation and harry is being locked away and he's being threatened and he's being abused he's being put in positions that no child or no person really should ever be put in yeah and so that's where harry's mind is always at uh which i guess was also similar to riddle like he had a lot of uh disparity in that way but mm-hmm. with harry um we start him off in a point where he now has some sort of leverage over the dursleys right. um and he is learning to uh use that position to get him and it's never in a way where where he's using it to get some sort of power it's more like this is the one thing that's keeping me alive it's my protection and so i'm going to use that and the fact that harry does go to the borough with the boys that they rescue him that the that these other like 
Ron, who's also 12, the... How old are, are Fred and George in this? They must be, like, what, 15, maybe? Yeah, Maybe a little bit so. older. Gosh, corrections on that one later. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all, like, you know, preteens or teenagers yeah. who have the enough mindset to be like, no, this is danger, and we mm. need to go get him. Um, and so when he gets to spend time at the the borough, that helps with a lot of him. So um, part of his development is, sure, Harry... Um, there, there's a lot of speak of or talk of Harry and destiny and Harry mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, what you need to do in the future. But uh, I and so there's a lot of this like nature versus nurture. And I think because uh, because Harry's character is is so shaped by the nurturing that he does get mm-hmm. and not shaped by the neglect that he he experienced his whole life. Yeah. Up to he, until he was like 11, 12 years old. Where he does get to spend a significant amount of time with the with the Weasleys, um, and learns what it's like, like you said, um, having appropriate relationships between parents and children, having sibling relationships, having mm-hmm. security and, and safety. I mean, we'll talk about this more in a minute, but um, I also think that um, just like I mentioned earlier, you you get a big highlight of Harry's uh, the true abuse that he suffers. Yeah, and like he's and it's. It is emphasized in the movies, but I think reading it has just so much more of an impact. Like, there are parts where they're describing how the Dursleys will will lock him away for days at a time. That yeah. they'll only let him out twice a day to go to the bathroom. Um, he's given a piece of bread and, like, moldy cheese. He's made to do, like, long, arduous hours of hard labor in the house. Like... Mm-hmm genuine abuse that right. in the movies i'm sure for multiple reasons they didn't really highlight a lot where even verbal abuse is still abuse yeah but in this one it's gone to the point where like if harry had been locked up in the room for any much longer he probably would have died of starvation yeah and that is something that although he does get nurtured at a good time in his life where it kind of turns things around for him mm-hmm. it still is impactful to him right like oh yeah you um what well, well, um we both observed was that there's a lot of foreshadowing there's a lot of uh laying of future plot points mm-hmm. and one of those is the fact that harry is very um he's hyper vigilant mm-hmm. he's uh He's very keenly aware and aware of who is trustworthy and who isn't, even if he doesn't really have much of a reason to yeah. understand things. He has a good, like, compass, like, internal compass of, like, who is safe and who isn't safe. Yeah. And um, what I, I remember I was telling you about how I feel like Harry is being, like, gaslit or there's, like, a lot of gaslighting for him. How Do you agree with that or, or do you feel that... Um, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> what do I think about it? Um, I feel like I could see that. I definitely think that that happens to him a lot because it's that whole thing where it's, I think it happens to children in general a lot, mm-hmm. but even more so a child who's like openly expressing like his distrust for adults and people that everyone else is taught, like has authority and you trust. And so him kind of, acting out on them like no i don't agree with that like i don't obviously he doesn't trust adults like everything he's been through but i think i definitely think it happens because it's always like oh yeah harry no like 
we trust adults like you know snape or like in the first obviously with snape it's like oh snape would never do anything to harm us because he's a teacher like they would never Mm -hmm. or in this one i think it happens a lot as far as like him being a parcel tongue and all of that like even with that he's like oh like there's a voice like i'm hearing a voice and i like i promise you that like it's putting people in danger and like this is what i'm observing and even Ron is kind of like, yeah, no, you don't want to tell people that because even in our community, like, hearing voices is crazy. Yeah. And like, oh, not, yeah, no, Harry, not everyone just speaks parcel tongue. Like, that's weird. And it's just kind of, I think they kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Chip away at a lot of things that he's like, I'm trying to tell you guys that something's happening and things are not okay. And there's, like, dangerous things in this castle. And everyone's just like, no, no, but the adults are on it. Because, yeah. you know, they saw, so they'll figure it out. Like they, they, they know. would never let this happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that even, I don't think that's a, a bad inclination because for the most part, they wouldn't actually let danger happen right. to the kids. But I also, as an adult, we incompetent as hell. Oh, yeah. So. I'm like, as a fellow adult. <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, don't. I don't know me, nothing. I shouldn't be in charge. Yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> Um, but I think we were also, um, observing how you, I think you, you touched on this earlier, how a lot of the choices that Harry makes are not made arbitrarily. Like he chooses right. or he understands inherently that sometimes he just has to act. Right. And like one of my reading notes was the fact that, um, Riddle chooses to attack more and more frequently and Harry is also validated by other people when Hermione is attacked and right. petrified by the basilisk. Oh, spoilers. Oh. That's the monster that's in the Whoops. Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so when Hermione is attacked, when all of these attacks are happening and of course Harry is being blamed because they always so happen to be when he's there, which of course is still an, a deliberate act. Um mm-hmm. Harry is still being framed in a way where um, it's it's very easy to see. Like so, a couple points. So the fact that um, you were touching on Harry and fame and how people perceive him and interacting with the fame mm-hmm. that he has that he never wanted, that he never people feel like he hasn't earned. Um, the way that he is sort of trying to defend himself, but he's also a kid who doesn't really have a lot of tools for speaking up for himself. So he right. might just be like, "Well, that's not true." Um, so he's he's struggling to sort of assert himself and say hey these things are happening to me I never asked for them and I would be more than happy to just be a nerd at Hogwarts learning magic and just live my life but that's not how life goes for me Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's that and then there's the fact that there are legitimate reasons for why Harry ends up in these situations every time Mm -hmm. like this one like there's attacks he is hearing voices he is learning things that other people don't know about he has a personal relationship with hagrid who we end up finding out was expelled 50 years earlier for suspicion of harboring the monster mm-hmm. um you um you end up finding well hermione gets petrified and um he has legitimate stakes against him and right. then on top of that Ginny gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and taken into the chamber so his best friend's sister the daughter of two people who took care of him over the right. summer who he's starting to respect very dearly is taken like his closest friends are all the weasleys mm-hmm. and there's nothing that can be done and right. then on top of that it's um like all the stakes and everything that is being laid out throughout the series of the book 
um, actually points him in, in a direction where he makes the choice to go into the Chamber of Secrets. Right. Because they've been able to put together all the details and all the facts. Mm-hmm. But it's not because he's like, I'm the only one that can do it because I've figured it out. It's like Dumbledore is gone. The school is being closed. McGonagall has no time for this and she's just Gilderoy Lockhart is trash. <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart is trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Ron, it's his little sister. Like, how is he not going to go look for her? Right. Uh, so all of that being put together, it, it makes a lot of sense for why Harry, this 12-year-old, needs to be the one to go into yes. the Chamber of Secrets and fight a monster. Um, so overall, I think that Harry's development in this book, um, we're learning a lot about him. He's no longer a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you think? I do think that that, I feel like there's a, a kind of a massive gap from the last book in this one with how they deal with things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because after everything they went through the last year, they're like, we're not playing games anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we are not playing games. We handle things like and this is kind of like a side point, but you mentioned even just like Hermione being really stuck on her guns with like, this mm-hmm. is our only plan. So this is what we're doing. <laughs> well, yeah, because we haven't really even acknowledged the fact that um, what they would call mudbloods or people who mm-hmm. come from non-magical families um, are being attacked. And Hermione is uh, classically or probably the best example of what these like magic purists fear yeah which is that a person who comes from a non-magical family can actually be the most brilliant person in the class and who is the most gifted witch even at age 12 and the fact that she comes from just a very no nonsense very basic family Mm -hmm. um that she represents everything that they fear yeah and i do think that it's significant that in today's portrayals of hermione she's always portrayed um especially in that play which i think is trash but whatever Um, (laughs) i do like that they cast her as black because i I think that um it it makes a lot of sense and i I think that um that showing the disparity of in which way in which people are treated it of course makes sense that if we interpret it in like our societal standards it is very much a race issue it's a class issue it's a issue of like xenophobia Mm -hmm. so yeah i I think that uh hermione who is no nonsense no rule breaking bones in her body i mean Mm -hmm. yeah there are actually a lot but (laughs) when she's 12 there aren't who she's the one that's like no we have to make polyjuice potion no we have to go figure out if malfoy is the heir of slytherin etc etc like a lot of the stakes are changed for everybody for legitimate reasons yeah I do just think that that, like, jump is interesting. It and is. I feel like it's also maybe part of, like, them understanding Harry a little bit more. And it mm-hmm. obviously adds to his character developing. But then the relationships around him also develop. And people don't just see him as someone that exaggerates the situation. It still happens. But I feel like his core friend group is like, yes, something is happening clearly. And we need to... They're all on the same page. Yeah, they're on and the same like page. This is probably... Well, obviously it's book two, but later on we obviously get a little bit more pushback. Like Harry, like that can't be it. Like you have to sort of relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in these first two books, you're kind of like, well, even the first book, they're like, oh, Harry, I don't know. And then eventually they all kind of get hip to the situation. But in this mm-hmm. one, they're like, uh, no, dangerous things are happening, and we're all in danger, girl. Yeah, we're all in danger, filter. girl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, do you want to talk about the burrow? Sure. 
because I already talked about it. We like, both a lot. have a lot of feelings about the borough. It's heaven on earth. <laughs> Ooh, baby, do you know what that's like? Ooh, heaven is the place on earth. And it's called the you borough. It in heaven. <laughs> Love comes first. Ooh, and it's called the burrow. Did you think we were gonna go this whole episode without actually saying terribly? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you thought. You thought. You thought. Um, um, yes. So the burrow, the burrow, the Weasleys. So the burrow, which is uh, the Weasleys' home, who's dead. Um, can I tell you? Yes. That like at the end of that first chapter where they're at the burrow and Harry is in Ron's room and he's kind of like making excuses for why it looks a certain way and why it's whatever and Harry's like this is the best place I've ever been to yeah and Ron is like blushing and I was like boy you just saved this child from a room with bars on it and you see that he's starving to death (laughs) and you're still like oh my god I'm so sorry like I think that was so cute when he's like, "Oh, it's not much," and Harry's like, "It's wonderful." Like this is the place, <laughs> the place. I uh, I love that part of the book. I was gonna say the scene. I love that scene. I love that scene. <laughs> I love the part of the book where um they come back from rescuing Harry and Molly's literally going off, <laughs> off on every single one of them, and then she goes, "Oh, Harry, so nice to see you. Come eat something." She's like, "I don't blame you." Yeah, just as a, come, you come uh, eat, get yourself yeah. some breakfast. But you also get a little glimpse of the fact that the Weasleys kind of get it because they're like, we were going to go get him anyways if he didn't respond. So because <laughs> they were like, he's in danger. He's in danger, girl. <laughs> the fact, I just think it's so crazy that they really were like, he's not responding. If he doesn't respond in another like day or so, rescue mission. Yeah, I think that... I wonder why they felt like that because I don't think even at that point they had an understanding. I mean, but I would assume that the understanding understanding is that this is their son's best friend and he wouldn't go this long without talking to him. Yeah. You know? Um, and maybe Ron, Ron being the person who was like, we have a lot of kids and my mom just doesn't find the time. Like, I feel like he would go home and say, oh my gosh, Harry lives with the worst muggles I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they were the kind of family that would cheese me out like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I also think that, um, like, I think exactly that, that Ron... So I was telling you in the beginning of, oh, my God, we need to stop doing that. Like, obviously we talk. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I was We just, just telling, want everyone to know that we talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you that I... Um, similarly with like how impacted i was by the severity of the dursley's abuse mm-hmm. i uh, i think as a kid myself uh, growing up i i did have a stable home life i had two parents that like cared about me and obviously not that that's necessary to have a stable home life but it, like that mm-hmm. was my experience like my parents were always there and even though like gabby and i were latchkey kids um that never meant that we felt any kind of lack of security yeah and i never like had to worry about like where my next meal was coming from i never had to worry that about my parents loving me or taking care of me or anything like that so i think as a kid maybe some parts of harry's abuse kind of went over my head because i had no concept of something like that mm-hmm. and of course as you grow up you you learn more about the world and you get more insights um but i I felt very like that's the place where i relate a lot to ron yeah where he even if he has these insecurities about like how much money they have or how like modestly they live he also is learning that 
that people can live in situations where you're actually not safe or that you as a child might have to suffer and I think that he would have no reservations of sharing that with his parents because I don't think he also had context for how bad things were so like how he so like blatantly is like they had bars on his window mom mom like some people would be like um so there was bars on his windows you know like there would be maybe a bit more like um this was a bad situation he's like no this is he's like mom hello and i think there's a lot of times in which adults are seen to not pay attention but i think they're like constantly paying attention yeah um so um well i guess i can go first so some of the um my feelings and thoughts on the borough (laughs) (laughs) um i think that it represents a lot for harry like just to bridge this like harry development as well as Mm-hmm. burrow feelings um i've always had very strong arthur and molly feelings yes. um but i think that like like we mentioned I, I do feel that the omission of so much of the time that we spend in the burrow throughout the series of books mm-hmm. i do think that's the most significant omission from the movies and i think it actually does have a really significant part yeah. of this series because there are characters that are not developed there are characters that aren't included there's storylines that aren't included and like arguably they should have or shouldn't have Mm -hmm. but they don't have as big of an impact on the overall story but i do think that this does have a big impact on the story because you're like harry is learning his moral compass from the the weasleys yeah because he has his own understanding of the world pre-magical world but he also, like, his entire world is introduced to him by Molly. Molly, By yeah. the Weasleys. Like, she's the one that truly brings him into the world. Like, sure, Hagrid was the one that told him everything and took him there and took him to um, Diagon Alley and everything. But, yeah. like, she's the one that really introduces him to his life going forward from there on. Yeah, I and agree. You you see Harry, like, spend the summer with them, but you also see him learn about what home safety is about having security about having adults that you can trust and having adults who are not going to put you in a position where you have to feel like you have to um be grateful for them for treating you like a human Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry i sound like i was about to start crying right there (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i just don't know about molly (laughs) arthur but saying like he learned about like being reliable about um one one point that i thought was just really beautiful was that um even when like they were taking the the car after they couldn't get through the the um the barrier or even when like he was breaking more rules and he got his beautiful christmas card Mm -hmm. from them like he had somebody harry had somebody to be responsible to now and somebody to like account himself i'm i'm thinking about it in spanish how do you say it in english uh like (laughs) he had somebody to be accountable to somebody that was gonna hold him accountable there you go yeah um because with like the 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 dursleys harry had to behave but it wasn't because he wanted to behave Mm -hmm. it was because he knew he was gonna get punished or hurt and with the with the weasleys it's more like i want to make them proud or i want them to be um happy with me um, because they showed me what r- real love is. <laughs> so sad. 
Yeah. Um, but what about you? Um, another part where you can kind of notice their relationship building and moving forward is when they finally save Ginny, everything's good, and the family's just kind of realizing that Harry isn't just their son's friend anymore, that he's family to them. Right. I'm sure they felt that way in some regards, but when I feel like when you go through things like that with people, you're like, okay, you are here right. for us. We are here for you. You're here for us. This is we're family, and that's it. Good, uh, there's a good Arthur quote there where he's like, "How many <laughs> times have I told you that if there's something that can think, you shouldn't trust it. If you can't, don't know where it holds its brain or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> words. <laughs> I don't remember the exact quote. Yeah, but I think that for sure. And then also, I think a big part of the whole family seeing him that way you kind of see with the brother the twins fred and george yeah because they don't necessarily have to be friends with harry they don't have to be and i know like they end up being on the quidditch team together yes but i feel like they have such a like older brother like nurturing relationship with him truly and you see that obviously they help ron get him out of the situation with the dursleys and then when they're on the quidditch team and they are playing against Slytherin and that freaking bludger is like trying to murder him yeah they're so pissed that Oliver Wood shout out Oliver oh my Wood. god <laughs> what it's tangent do you want to talk about Oliver Wood what? in a sec um, in a sec okay, yes okay. but they're so mad that Oliver is Oliver and Harry are like we're beating the Slytherins at whatever cost and they're like no like you're crazy you're putting Harry in danger you're not letting us protect him like that's insane and I love that they have kind of like that right, good old Molly Weasley energy where they're like, no way, that is not safe. That's I cannot true. believe you're doing this. That, that is actually super um, true because <laughs> I'm also holding Calcifer right now while I speak, which mm-hmm. is very distracting and I'm very into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the fact that... Uh, Fred and George, like you said, they don't actually have to be friends with Harry. Yeah. And, like, despite the fact that other people would take advantage because that's Harry Potter and that you're so close to him, etc. But, like, never once do they make him feel like he's Harry Potter. No. When he's at their house. He's just Harry, Ron's friend, and yeah. our friend, too. Um, and the fact that uh, they... <laughs> That they jump right ahead to be like, no, we're actually going to take care of you and you're our little brother and we're going to make fun of you just like when Jenny um, reads a little poem. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait. And just as like a acknowledgement, we're not plagiarizing. No. Jenny wrote that poem. That was not my own work. (laughs) (laughs) But what was I saying? That they kind of make fun of him and like older brotherly. Yeah. Like they there's there's a lot of like we're you're one of us mm-hmm. so we're gonna make fun of you but we're also gonna protect you yeah for sure. i um big weasley energy big weasley energy i actually did have a question for you mm-hmm. because as we've discussed in other episodes like i don't have any brothers but you do did you ever have any experiences like that with jenny where like she's a little sister she has older brothers yes. i did i did there <laughs> um i my older brothers are also like really goofy and we were also very much so like latchkey kids. I feel like very Weasley-ish. Like we were by ourselves a lot, not necessarily because our mom didn't want to be there, but because she was like working and busy and mm-hmm. there's three of us. And yeah, so I always had a crush on my brother's friends, like literally always. 
always. And my brother thought it was so funny. There's one that we always talk about because it was when I was in first grade. And one of his good friends, his name was Arturo. He would come over and I would sit on the couch with him and be like, come here, Arturo, you can share my blanket with me. And I would like put my little, I was also a lot younger though than like the twins with Ginny. It's my oldest brother, seven years older than me. So it's a much bigger age gap than I think they have. But it was like a little first year, a first grade first year. (laughs) Look at me, I'm at Hogwarts. I was like a little first grader just kind of crushing on this like eighth grade kid. And I would like share my blanket with him and want to play video games. And yeah, it was super gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, but my older brothers would definitely be like, oh, mirala. And then we like, mm-hmm, your little friend Arturo's coming over. It was always, I think it's just, they th- people think it's cute. Yeah. When kids have crushes on other people and you're just like, oh my God, the more normal. And they like to bust your balls about it. For sure. But also, like, I'm saying like a lot in this one. Um, I get nervous when people ask me about my own experiences. (laughs) They were also very, like, protective older brothers, though. To the point where when I was in elementary school, Adrian would, like, threaten to beat people up and be like, don't fuck with my little sister or you'll die. But also, she's the worst. Or you'll be killed. (laughs) But also, she's the worst. (laughs) It's that kind of like, I can fuck with my siblings, but if anybody else does, you're dead. you can't. You cannot. I mean, we've talked about this. I I think it's very fascinating, the idea of older brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting, for sure. Yeah. Do you have any other Weasley thoughts? Other Burrow thoughts? Just that I love them. And I'm excited for the other Weasleys. Also, Percy was hella neglected. Well, here, Percy was busy, okay? Percy was busy. Percy Percy had things going on, Percy, plans in motion. Wait, oh, 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 wait, wait I remember. <laughs> I, okay, two things, two things, two things. Uh-huh. Okay, so how do you think the conversation that Ron had with the twins about going to get Harry went? Oh, my God. I feel like he was like, okay, listen, people, I have a proposition. Brothers of mine, please. Brothers, listen. proposition. And they were like, yo, what up? <laughs> and he was like, Harry, he's in danger, girl. His, the Dursleys are the literal worst. You guys have heard. He hasn't responded to me. I am concerned. Also, you get to fly dad's flying car. And the twins were like, heck yeah, fly a flying car. And also rescue your friend. Do you Down. think Harry or Ron was just like, guys, I'm worried about Harry. He hasn't responded to me. I've been writing to him all I summer. think he was just saying that. And then the twins were like, oh, my God, we can fly dad's car to get him. I picture This is how I picture it. Okay, yeah. They're... Um, uh, Arthur had just finished adding some newest updates to the car. Mm-hmm. Mo- Molly is like, Arthur, you're gonna get in trouble. You're such a hypocrite. You work for the muggle, whatever, whatever department. Mm-hmm. Your, the, your job is to get rid of things that you're actually making Misuse right now. Misuse of mar- and muggle And then that's like a little things. thought bubble that goes into Fred and George's head. They've always wanted to try it out. Arthur is very responsible and he's like, no children, you can't. You can only watch me build this very dangerous machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then so jump to Ron having, they see Ron writing all these letters. They see him waiting. They're like, that darn owl, he's losing our mail. And then Ron is like, you guys, I'm just really worried about Harry. He's told me about his bad situation at home. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually getting more worried. It's past his birthday, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, blink, Ron, we should maybe go rescue him. Yeah. We should maybe get in the car and go get him. That's how I think it Yeah, went. I definitely think it went down something like that. <laughs> okay, and then two, what was my other thought? Oliver Wood? No, not yet, but um, 
There was something you were just saying before Percy? That. Oh, yeah. Percy was busy, okay? He was writing love letters. <laughs> he was macking. Is uh-huh. that a right word? <laughs> he was making out. Percy was out here macking. He was out here kissing. <laughs> Penelope. No, nope. clear water. No, is it? But I'm like, clear water sounds wrong, but we'll go with it. <laughs> no, that's not the right name. He was making out, okay. He with had a little Penelope. girlfriend, a little girlfriend, and he was getting. He was some. a prefect. He was getting it, all right. And then, of course, like also, like who wouldn't be nervous or worried if your girlfriend got petrified? Right. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so let's have our little Oliver Wood. Wait, yeah, little, let's have an Oliver, Oliver Wood, Wood detour before we get to our last talking uh-huh, point. Uh huh. Okay, so in my notes I wrote, Oliver Wood is an intense queen, queen. just like me. Uh-huh. He's 100% all the time, all caps. All Gryffindor. Quidditch. Yeah, but also like super Gryffindor. That's such a Gryffindor way to approach things. <laughs> He's So what was my favorite quote? It was, um, you got to get to that snitch before Malfoy dies or die trying. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. He was like, Harry, this is going to depend on you. You have to prove that a seeker needs more than a rich father. <laughs> you must get to that snitch or die trying. I love it. You've got to. It's so good. Also, yeah. like, he has, like, no sense of, like, the rest of the world. No. All, <laughs> you said it. All caps quidditch all the time. Because he's like, Professor McGonagall's like, we're canceling this game. Children have been petrified. And he's, he's like, like, are you kidding me? What's the game? We fuck those kids. <laughs> the game. They're petrified. What can we do about it now? There's nothing that can be done exactly. now. Exactly. My point is, exactly. <sighs> Just, I love him. I absolutely love him. I That little pep, like pep talk speech that he gives. Yes. It's... My favorite part of that is when he's really trying to pep them up and be like, we've trained in all weather for this. And then I think it's George that's like, yeah, I haven't been properly dry since August. Like, for sure. <laughs> I just like that they all let him do his spiel and go crazy and then just kind of make fun of him while he's doing it. Like, OK, Oliver, sure. All caps. But then they're also like really mad at him when Harry like is like, nope, we got to actually keep going. Yeah. Would true queen. We stand. <laughs> We do. Love me some him. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, Tom Riddle. Yes. Tom Riddle. Tom Mavolo Riddle. What do I have to say about him? What do you have to say um, about him? He's a little bitch. He's a little <laughs> bitch. I, that, um, the way that they kind of brought that character around i really really enjoyed i think that it was a smart way to get some background on him and just kind of like you were saying prove that it's not that voldemort had a hard life and then became bad and then became worse because of what he did to himself it he was always kind of fucked up mm-hmm. and like rightfully so i don't think they ever make it seem like oh my god we're so shocked that he's like this i don't understand why like they give you a lot of background into kind of what his family was like and what the history of that family is and all of that eventually but i think that the tom riddle soul or memory that was in the diary and the way that that interacted with Ginny and with everything around him was a really good way to show just kind of manipulate how manipulative manipulative mm-hmm. <laughs> and cunning and calculated he was because everything that he did to set this up and then 
everything that he continued to do as part of his diary was super calculated. It wasn't like it was just, oh, I'm just going to create this random thing that has a, like a memory of me in it. And then that thing will just do what it's going to do. No, it was a very calculated way of, you know, right. having this plan work out. Well, he talks about that when he's sort of revealing his his doing his like classic villain monologue mm-hmm. of like, can you hear it? No. Okay. Um, here hearing his like classic villain monologue of, um, this is what I did and this is how I did it and this is why it's done and this is why it's happening yeah. to you right now. Where he's like, you know, I of course figured out how to open the chamber of secrets. I opened it, and then um because. What I wanted, which was to stay at Hogwarts over the summer, wasn't going to be allowed. I figured out somebody that can be a scapegoat, finish it. But unfortunately, I couldn't then continue my plan. Mm-hmm. So he was very deliberate, like you're saying. He was, yeah. It wasn't like um, a hindsight thing. It was like in that moment, he's like, 16-year-old me wants to finish this, this um, mission. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I can't right now. So I'm going to create something for myself for the future where I can possess somebody and then um, have them finish it off and right. like complete that holy mission or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so it's very specific. It's very yeah. like calculated, very conniving, very much like with the intention to cause harm and to cause yeah. more destruction. And even after that, like, he graduated from Hogwarts. He went on to do all the evil things that he did. With his in his mind, he still knew that that was something he had in his back pocket. Oh yeah, right. Um, what earlier when I was talking about the comparisons between Riddle and um, Harry and Harry, uh, that's another thing too. That even the Dursleys were like, find out if you can stay there over the summer. Yeah, and even Harry is like, I totally relate to this guy. I talked to him twice and. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they do have very similar beginnings and stuff, but I think some of that, some of what they bring to like the character with Tom Riddle is he's, he's just already given up on, it's always brought up, but he's given up on love and friendship and all this, but it's true. And you can kind of see it with this character. I think uh, it's super interesting because later on we learn more about, tom Mm -hmm. but he he was like i think in this part you're sort of intending to believe that um he learned about his um his heritage throughout his time at hogwarts and so he came to this idea of his destiny yeah but that's not it actually no yeah it's just i like i i like her plot devices yeah absolutely do you um i was trying to think of what i wanted to say but i was like yeah that's what it is it's a plot device to push the story forward and i really enjoyed that she did it this way and it Mm -hmm. wasn't just this is a big bad guy and you'll get no insight as to how this person became what they are i also can we just talk about okay so how much of a 16 year old he is though oh yeah because he's like doing all these grand speeches of like my divine destiny and i <laughs> i tom marvolo riddle the greatest i have bended people's wills to my <laughs> thoughts blah 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 like such an obnoxious yeah and then harry's like yeah old. but like you're still lame <laughs> like all right dude yeah but no congrats are you done <laughs> all He's right like, anyway what was i saying stab <laughs> stab it <laughs> stabitha christie, stab- christie. 
Yeah, I do think that's funny. It's very like was it grandioso kind of what oh, people yeah, say where totally. it's like he's like so self-important, thinks yeah. he's like the king of the world. Oh yeah. Um, there was this this quote. Oh my god, wait, sorry. Side note. The no, scene no. in the movie that really think I think these are the parts where in the movie I feel like it really adds to it. You're like he's talking to Dumbledore and he's like, Oh my gosh, Dumbledore. Like, no. Like it's just kind of his pretentious little way of like having yeah. a conversation and you're just like, Oh yuck. <laughs> well, so I think it's that same thought of like uh people <laughs> What is happening, Kelsey? He does that all the time. I think there's ghosts in here. Or something. Oh, cool, 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 yeah. cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> what were we saying? Calcifer. This whole podcast is about Calcifer. Um, but we were talking about how his interaction with Dumbledore in the movie and kind of like that pretentious. Oh, I was thinking about um our episode where we talked about Ted Bundy. Oh yeah, and how people were like, he's so charming and he's so handsome and he's so this and that, and it's just like, and we were like, Ted Bundy is an uggo. He's an uggo, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> and I, I think that's where there is this confusion between manipulative personalities, some idea that like charm and uh, bravado is somehow the same as being good mm-hmm. or the same as being trustworthy. But I think that. There are people who are charming who do have some um, confidence that are genuine at it. And then there are the people who don't have that, but that are, I don't know what the word is, who are like psychopath or just up in here. We are not psychologists. (laughs) Point is, Voldemort, I mean, Tom Riddle is fake. (laughs) Right. Like, so this idea that they're like, oh my God. Because you know, later on, people, after the fall of uh, Voldemort, everyone's like, he manipulated me he confused me he like charmed me and an actual magic used yeah. magic against me etc but that's also um and not to say that's not real but i feel like that's the trait of those sorts of personalities that yeah, it's very manipulative that they are manipulating you and they're able to figure out what words to say to you in which way that will make you bend to their will mm-hmm. and even harry was like you have always been afraid of Dumbledore. You can't act like you weren't afraid of him because even he saw right through you. And that memory you showed me, you thought you were showing me you being super conniving and smart, but you were actually showing me that somebody saw through your facade. Yeah, Harry's always been like, I see you. He's I all like, right did you, you think? You are about to get red to <laughs> filth. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the relationship between Riddle and Ginny. So uh, eventually we end up finding out, of course, that um, this plot, of course, brought forward by Lucius Malfoy. We didn't talk about him very much, but he has a big role in this book, too. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, he maneuvers it or he... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He... Uh, orchestrates. Orchestrates. He orchestrates. I was going to say sets up. <laughs> He orchestrates the situation so that Ginny will get her hands on it. And even Dumbledore, of course, um, talks about, he's like, wouldn't it be such a scandal if this pure blood family with Mr. Weasley being um, such a uh, proponent of muggle rights, then his own daughter is a person who um, yeah. takes over these roles, etc. So, of course, Ginny was the one that was opening the chamber of secrets and leading to everybody being petrified and attacked but she of course wasn't mm-hmm. doing it intentionally and so uh i feel like this is something that is super of course it's a major part of this book yeah but i just feel like 
I don't know I don't really see a lot of conversation of, of like just how insidious that relationship was and yeah. like, what are your thoughts on that I feel like those are conversations that especially at the time were just not being had in general mm-hmm. and given like for me when I was rereading this this climate of like seeing a lot of celebrities kind of engage in activity like this mm-hmm. Drake we're calling you out your yeah no truly like it's something that is very like prevalent in like conversations today Mm -hmm. and so when i was rereading this i was like yeah that's like super creepy and granted this is someone that's 16 not maybe not fully an adult but it's still like an older male Mm -hmm. and then on top of that it's like lucius purposefully introducing this to like a young girl Mm -hmm. and making her like the catalyst for everything it's just very icky to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can see because again like i mentioned those parts where um harry's reading her diary entries and it really what he did was and we've said this word a lot but he grooms her to kind of trust him Mm -hmm. and to kind of like oh i'm your confidant i'm your diary you can tell me everything and he makes her believe that there's like this trusting relationship and then exploits that to make her do dangerous things like bad things things that she later on kind of it's like that's not okay but i think she mentions too that she didn't always remember what was happening to her like it was like she was in a trance and i feel like that's such a such an icky relationship and it's the way that jk talks about it in this i think is more as like a plot point and not necessarily like this is bad yeah you know what i mean it's not it's it's a plot point and it's like it's bad because she was made to do something she didn't want to do but so i think the context in which um jk rowling used this like plot Mm -hmm. device was more as a plot device and not as a conversation about grooming being bad and it might be because it was maybe it wasn't as much of a conversation the time that this was being written but the vocabulary that me and you have for it now and like the understanding that we have for it is oh yeah he was definitely doing that right and maybe not so because they didn't have um like a it wouldn't be possible for like a physical relationship to come out of that or it wasn't like he was grooming her for interactions with him specifically but it's still like a manipulation of like a a young girl i think child that word is is used so much when it's in regards to like any kind of like sexual exploitation Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily this relationship but it is one that um, he even says he's like it's so annoying to have to listen to a little girl talk about her little girl problems yeah but i use that to my advantage right. because she's a mind that i can mold mm-hmm. um and that's exactly that's the, what the, grooming is. the um <laughs> the reason why these perverted dangerous men do that because they're like yeah this is a young impressionable child who is in a position where she actually can be easily swayed away from mm-hmm. people she trusts because she has she although you would think like this is a little girl who comes from a loving family who has right. a lot of older brothers who are um maybe not necessarily like a hundred percent protective they would still be ones that she can turn to for support that she even um he acknowledges that percy was like oh she's like acting Something's weird wrong. and he's like still yeah. looking out for her which i liked i know percy gets a lot of flack flack and understandably so and necessary but i think 
I, it's like no doubt in my mind that he was checking in on her and mm-hmm. making sure she was okay. Um, and so, but he was busy also because you know, girlfriend, Mackin, <laughs> But yeah. yeah, I just I remember reading that all of that, and it just felt so gross. And even Harry's understanding of him revealing everything, he's still kind of like not with it. Where Harry's like, "Well, give me my wand, or thanks for helping me," or you know, he's still kind of. Um, like he started, oh, he started grooming him too. Yeah, as his friend, but of course Harry caught on a little bit quicker. Moving forward, what are your feelings? What are your thoughts? What are you looking out for? My feelings and thoughts are that I am interested because we know. So the next book is Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm so excited. I'm trying to keep my little head tilted to Hermione for that one. I think just because mm-hmm. I know, but I think that there's a lot of character building for them and their friendship and i want to be able to pinpoint more of that um i feel like my thoughts are your thoughts okay same i love hermione (laughs) i've discussed it very publicly very openly she is one of my top favorite characters um honestly like i don't know if i can ever pick just one but she's like right up there (laughs) why not all of them right (laughs) um yeah i i'm very um Keeping my eye out for her. Dumbledore is always on my Some mind. Never far from my heart. Some are coming. Um, and yeah, I think this is, I think it's a big one. A lot of pressure for me personally, because I know that this is like a lot of people's favorite book yeah. in the series. And so. Surprisingly not mine, but we'll mm, get there. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But yeah, I think that obviously there's so much more that we could have talked about, like I mentioned. But always, always, these are always. sort of the overall themes that we saw throughout this book that we thought were definitely worth talking about a little bit more um come talk to us over on social medias mm-hmm. lucy tell the people where they can go at semi regular on instagram facebook and twitter but mostly instagram if we're being whole really we're real being totally honest mm-hmm. um where can the people take a gander at us <laughs> We're just going to call it that all the time. Yeah. Um, if you want to listen to us, go to semiregularpodcast.com forward slash links. We have links to our uh, podcasts on Apple, Apple oh. Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> Google Play, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, just everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Uh Uh Um, and also you could leave us a review or die trying (laughs) or die or die trying (laughs) on our google play reviews and itunes podcast we would super super appreciate that yeah like it's christmas time spread a little joy Mm -hmm. from your heart to us all right lucy we gotta go okay bye bye